Ion 2020, episode 329. Somebody's the president of the United States. The authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion2020, which is your libertarian look at all things politics, all things going on in Washington, all things going on in the election for 2020. I appreciate you, those that continue to join the show Every day uh, on the Mondays and Thursdays as the show is released. Uh, this week we do have the VP debate coming up. Vice President Pence versus uh, Senator Kamala Harris. And it should be interesting to watch. Not quite as interesting as last week's debate. Not uh, Probably more watchable than last week's debate, actually. Uh, these are two people that are, I don't know, not the most exciting people. Like Kamala Harris has literally no charisma whatsoever but you know what no neither does you know mike pence so i guess we're gonna have a snooze fest of a vice presidential debate i'm sure there won't be too much interesting going on during that debate but it'll be more watchable it'll probably be more rational it'll probably you're definitely not gonna have mike pence barging in every time kamala harris tries to say something and vice versa uh, that is definitely not going to be the case. That's not really his style, and that's not her style. She does like to call people racists and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you notice that even when she called Joe Biden a racist in, in, in a roundabout way. So, and then he'll be calling them socialists or communists or whatever else they want to call them as well. Um, I'm sure that it's going to be more of a normal political debate. And most people that are watching are like, well, hey, why can't we just choose one of these people? I mean, I bet that's what you're going to be hearing after the debate as well. I'm almost predicting that, actually, that you're going to hear that after the debate of, oh, well, why do, why can't we just throw out Donald Trump and throw out Joe Biden and just vote for one of these two and make it so that it's a, it's a race against between one of those two? Because I think people are kind of sick of, sick of it. They are sick, sick, sick of all the... Um, the craziness and what's going on. So uh, anyway, so that's that's going to be the debate show on Wednesday night is going to be the debate. And then afterwards, I'll release that immediately. So that'll pretty much be your Thursday show as well. Uh, it's actually nice that it falls on that date 
rather than on Tuesday, like I said last week. Because then I did a Monday, Wednesday, and a Thursday show last week. Which, you know what, that's no big deal. I am here for you to make sure that you are up to date and up to speed on what's going on. So, uh, but yeah, just, that's good. So, next debate after that is going to be Donald Trump. And it's going to be Donald Trump, Joe Biden. It's going to be down in Florida. And that is going to be on the... uh, the week after, so almost exactly a week after the vice presidential debate. I think it's on the 15th of October, so about two weeks away. And then uh, after that, you'll have one more presidential debate as well. So you'll have just the one vice presidential debate, then you have two presidential debates. A lot of people have voted already, so they're kind of just going for the people that have not voted yet, and they're maybe going for a few of the undecideds as well. But like I said in the past on a few of these shows, there's really not that many undecideds left. So these two are not sitting there fighting back and forth for a lot of the undecideds. Um, I'm kind of assuming that Joe Biden's going to win this thing based upon the way that the polling is. But like many people have told me before, not too many people are just going to blatantly say, hey, man, I'm voting for Donald Trump. Uh, Even when these pollsters call him, they must not be saying that. Because last time and last go around, you had this a similar situation where uh, Hillary Clinton was way in the lead. Just you know, everyone, all the polls were showing that she was going to win by three, four, five points, and then Donald Trump ends up winning. But he was doing a little bit better in the swing states last go around, whereas this go around, the swing states are really uh, not going his way. The only one that really might go his way as Florida. He's like within the margin of error there, just losing by about one point. But, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, like those seem like they're swinging Biden's way as well. But yeah, so if you hadn't heard the big news already, also, and this is actually something that could play into Donald Trump's favor, he ended up getting diagnosed with COVID-19. And you already know that, I'm sure, unless you only get your news from this show, and I didn't talk about last episode, but obviously, I mean, most people know what's going on with that. So he's gotten COVID-19, and he pretty much announced it on Thursday night, and then they took him into Walter Reed Hospital on Friday, and he's been there all weekend. He might get out today. I'm not sure. That's what they were saying yesterday, so it is possible. He's taking some steroids. He's taking some, uh, a couple of different things that they thought might work against COVID-19 as well. Uh, they said that he had a couple of times where his oxygen levels went low. They put him on some supplemental oxygen, which isn't putting him on like a breather that's breathing for him. It was just putting oxygen mask over his face so he could get a little bit more pure oxygen, like what you might see like a grandmother or something like that wearing when they have those little two little uh, or that little plastic thing goes into their nose and they have a little breathing uh, device, like a little thing. And all it does is just pushes a little bit of oxygen into into your nostrils when you're breathing normally. So you get a little bit more oxygen so your O2 levels stay higher. So apparently they've done that to him as well a few times. They put him on there for an hour. But they say, and this is probably... I mean, they would never say anything negative about the president's health until it was like a dire thing, but they're going to give the rosiest picture possible. But if they're saying he's going to get out tomorrow, then it's probably not going downhill. But I have seen situations where a person's health 
is looking good and then they start going downhill. The dude is 74 years old. So let's be honest. I mean, I was looking into the numbers and it's like, if you're 74 years old and you get COVID-19, you have about a 5 or 6% chance of death. If you're over 80, it's more like 10 or 12% chance of death. If you're over 65, it's, you know, the people that get it, there's three or f- 2 or 3% chance of death. The older you get, the higher that percentage goes up. Some of those people might have had pre-existing conditions. Donald Trump is generally in pretty good health. He is a little bit overweight. So... Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, supposedly, uh, he, he might be getting out today or early this week. So that's, that's good for him. The funniest thing I thought is when you start to, and it's, it really shows how, how little class people have when it comes to politics, right? Like they literally wish for the, for the death of people. Like I, I saw many, many, many tweets and Facebook posts and stuff like that that have this the least amount of class possible and people saying that, you know, good for him. I wish, you know, they should they should not give him any medical care because he's a denier that they hope he dies, all this stuff. And it's just to me, life is very important. Whether you love the guy or hate the guy, you don't wish death upon anybody. You don't wish death upon anybody because the people that they, that the fact that they're a living human being, I mean, that should take precedence over anything else in the first place. And then on top of that, you know, there are people that he influences and his friends and his family that care about him and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, you don't wish death upon people. And I just thought that was very, very, very low class. Uh, but you know what? That's what the frickin' internet is, you know? That's that's what you deal with on the internet. And people, they, they have no filter. They don't care. There really is not any sort of uh, disciplinary action that you could take upon somebody for just being a bad person on the internet. So, like, there's no reputation that you have on the internet. So, you can have a reputation for being a jerk, but it doesn't affect your personal life doesn't affect who, how people interact with you on the internet and so forth. So, I mean, there's just really no, there's, there's no discipline. There's no, there's no, you know, consequences to your actions per se. And that is just totally crappy that people would wish that upon Donald Trump. But anyway, hopefully he gets better. Let's just go into this, this election, you know, get whoever gets elected, gets elected. I have my feelings about who's going to end up winning anyway. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden's going to win. I've said that before. Uh, but I don't, I don't wish for Joe Biden to win. I don't really want Donald Trump to win. I, I, I'm actually sick of both of these guys. I can't stand either of the guys. And, and I wish that there was some way that we would be in a position where a Joe Jorgensen or a libertarian candidate could get some sort of position where there would be a chance of winning an election but you know what we're in a two-party system and that's just what we have to deal with so anyway getting back to donald trump so yeah he he is uh has covid i was wondering if this was something that can be a benefit to his campaign and the reason why i say that is because this the dude had a terrible terrible debate performance on tuesday night Wednesday, it's talked about this terrible debate performance. 
everyone's talking about how bad he did, how rude he was, how obnoxious the entire debate was. His his water carriers and his bootlickers are like defending the guy and trying to put lipstick on a pig as much as they possibly can about the debate performance. But everyone knows, everybody knows, except for the most ardent Donald Trump supporter, that that, that, that debate was hands down terrible for him. Ter- terrible for Joe Biden too, but Donald Trump looked like a five-year-old child. And some friends of mine were talking about that who who would vote for Trump and they were talking about how it looked like you were it looked like your kids sitting there fighting back and forth and like at one point someone says Donald Trump or or he was saying Donald Trump was getting chastised by Chris Wallace and Chris Wallace says Mr. Trump can you please not interrupt and Donald Trump looked over and says are you going to tell him that cuz he did it first like that's what my kids say and that's what this guy was saying. He's like, that's what my kids say. I'm like, yeah. It was like a five-year-old child up on that freaking stage. Absolutely annoying to watch. But the COVID-19 couldn't have come in a better time. It's kind of like it was planned. It was kind of like, and I'm not saying it was. Don't don't get me wrong. But it, it, it was like the luckiest break that Donald Trump can have. That the media coverage goes from... Tuesday to Wednesday about how terrible his debate performance is to Thursday, Donald Trump has COVID-19. Friday, he's in the hospital. Saturday's in the hospital. The news media flipped within an instant from terrible debate performance to bam, COVID-19 and people honking their horns outside of Walter Reed Hospital and people coming up and showing up and, 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 you know, praying for the guy out front and all this stuff. No talk about the bait. Probably the best thing that can happen, and Donald Trump is amazing at controlling the media coverage. There's only 24 hours of news that can possibly get out there every single day, and Donald Trump tries to control as many of those hours as he possibly can. Every single show leads off. At, you know, the noon show leads off Donald Trump. Da, 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 da. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is going on. It goes on for an hour. There's like four or five featured stories. If all of those can be about Donald Trump and his sickness, but then also something else and something else, as long as they control three or four pieces of the news, the bad stuff doesn't get out. And he's very good at doing that. So this could not have come in a better time because he had a terrible debate performance. And all of a sudden, boom, he controls that that media coverage. And people's mind, like uh, the American public, are very fickle and have a very sh- a very short memory when it comes to things that are going on. Like, just think about it. A couple weeks ago, or cut last week, even I think before the debates, a couple days before the debates, it was. Oh, Donald Trump's tax returns, and he only paid $750 in taxes for a couple of years. And in total, for the last 10 years, he's only paid this amount and that amount. And this big New York Times coverage piece, this hit piece on Donald Trump about his taxes, which weren't even verified, verifiable. It was like a silent person, you know, a silent whistleblower who released this information that there's no way to verify it. So... That was the news coverage, but you don't hear about that. Actually, I almost forgot about that. So I'm sure most people did too. 
there's only so much time that 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 the media can talk and that is it's just interesting how fickle people are and how short their memories are but uh donald trump knows that and this could probably just like i said it couldn't have come at a better time so how else is the where's the media going to go from here between now and the the election how do you control the media coverage what are you going to do and that's i'm sure that's what donald trump's team is trying to think of doing because let's be honest the debate performance was terrible. He's not going to have a good debate performance next time, I can't imagine. But I'm sure they're going to fix it and figure it out, and he'll come in there a little bit smarter next time. But And they'll learn from their mistake, I would, I would imagine. But just think about it. So this week, the, today, tomorrow, you know, Monday, Tuesday, it's going to be basically Donald Trump's health. Tuesday afternoon to Wednesday all day, it's going to be about the vice presidential debate performance. Thursday, it's going to be all vice presidents, the, that debate. Thursday and Friday, maybe. But then on Friday, you're going to be getting closer to October 12th, which is when uh, the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, is going to be getting grilled by the Senate. So you're going to be talking about that all weekend going into the 12th. I think the 12th is on a Monday. And all of a sudden, boom, you're going to have at least a week to possibly two weeks where the Senate is in session questioning Amy Coney Barrett about her politics, about her judicial record, and about her sex life, about whatever they can. I mean, I even heard a pit piece on her that said that she's a member of, like, some people that are in her sorority and a few other people were saying that she's a member of some society that's like a racist society and a sexist society or something like that, and that they didn't want her to be a member of it. So, like, they're going to be hitting her on that. They're going to be hitting her on her associations. They're going to hit her on everything they possibly can. I mean, I'm sure they're going to find somebody that she's sexually molested also. So that's going to go on for a week to possibly two weeks. So that's going to control that media cycle until about the, almost the end of October. But then the Senate's got to vote and confirm her. So that's going to go on for a while as well. That is going to control the media coverage. How does Joe Biden get into it? Joe, and Donald Trump knows this, that he has the media controlled for that amount of time. There's going to be a slight interruption for these debates but the rest of it's going to be back on the Supreme Court nominee. It'll be interesting to see what happens going forward, you know? Um, How is Joe Biden going to get himself in the media? Because he's not really doing big events, and I think he's out there doing a few events here and there now. I think he's doing it very precautiously. He's being safe. He's wearing his mask. He's, you know, verifying that people have COVID. He's doing all the right stuff to try to not get it. But he's not out there doing like these major events, but he is going down to Florida. So what he was doing was focusing on Ohio and Pennsylvania for about the last month or two, because those are the two swing states he has to win. Now he's going down to Florida this week. So he must know that Florida might be one of those ones that he might lose. The polls are going in Donald Trump's directions, maybe, who knows? So he's going down to Florida. He's going to do a couple of events down there. But I mean, his main focus is Ohio and Pennsylvania. But how is he going to get himself into the media spotlight? He'll get a couple minutes on the news every, you know, every every hour, I guess. But Donald Trump will be on the news a lot of that time. And then also Amy Coney Barrett. So anyways, um, that's all I got 
for for that for that particular topic as well. So I went camping this week, and uh, I was talking to a few of my friends around a campfire, just kind of hanging out. So we were there Friday to Sunday, and we just went to this place. It's on a lake. It was a little cool. It was really nice, actually. Uh, we watched football all day Saturday. It was great. But there was a couple times where politics gets into the conversation. Obviously, you're standing around with, you know, five, six guys hanging out. Uh, the wives are talking about this and that as well. They're doing their thing. We're doing our thing. Uh, and politics comes up. And I'm sitting around with some people that are, I mean, none of them are ardent Donald Trump fans. None of them love the guy. None of them love Joe Biden. None of them are excited whatsoever about either of the candidates. But it seems to me that they're all generally in favor of voting for Donald Trump. But then they start talking about how everything's so divisive now and everyone's, there's so much division among America. There's so much talk about racism and how America is a racist place. And we just started talking about all this stuff. And, um, and I said, listen, the division, the division that we have in America, it is literally on purpose. It's by design. Like the politicians, they benefit from division. They have to have people think of themselves as being on like a team is what I said. I said, we've been watching football all day. I'm like, I'm a Florida Gators fan. You're a Carolina Gamecocks fan. I said, would you ever root against the Gamecocks? Would you ever root against them? And I would never, then they were like, no. I'm like, and I would never root against the Florida Gators. Like in any football game that I watch and the Gators are playing, I am not going to root against them. And they are not going to root against the Gamecocks. Like, you're on your team. You have chosen your side. And it's the same way in politics. They want you to get on a team. They want you to have that R or that D so that you are a guaranteed vote every single time. So that's the very definition of division to get people to divide like that. But then there's all the people in the middle, the independents in the middle, who are going to vote against somebody who are going to vote for the lesser of two evils, who are going to split their decision. And the less popular the parties are over time, like if you have the Republicans and the Democrats and they're losing people to just becoming independent, then how are you going to get those people to vote for you at that point? Because people, need they, they need you to choose a side. And if you're sitting there, they, they know the Republicans are going to vote for that their guy, and they know the Democrats are going to vote for their guy. They know the Donald Trump supporters are going to vote for their guy. They know that most people that are Republican, they're going to vote down the ballot with all R's. Same thing with the D's. That's your team. We're Team R, we're Team D. But there's all those people in the middle that they got to get to get out there and vote as well. And most of those people, if they can just cause so much division and strife, anger in people at this side or that side, the left, the right, fear the socialists, fear those capitalists, fear the communism that they're going to bring to America. We need law and order or fear what Donald Trump is bringing to America with his racist policies and all that stuff. And you're getting those people in the middle that are, they're choosing their side at that point as well. But that is by design. They want that. The politicians want that because it gets you out to vote. And not only that, it gets you to hate the other side. It gets you to 
distrust the other side. It's not about good and evil on either side. The Democrats really do feel like people that are just a Democrat, they really do feel in their heart of hearts that the Democratic Party has the right platform to help people. It really comes down to that. They think it's the right policies to help people. That they're the caring party. That they care about the people. Maybe the politicians could give a crap less. Maybe the politicians just want to stay in power. But most people, if you empathize with them, you can look at them and understand what they're thinking. They think that Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders has people's best interests at heart. It's not a game of they're just an evil person, so that's why they're Democrat. But that's what the other side wants you to think. And the same thing goes to Republicans. The Democrats want you to think that those Republicans, oh, they're just evil people who just want to help these greedy rich people get richer and at the expense of these poor people. No, most Republicans think that society gets better by the government spending less. And not the, not the politicians up in, in Washington, but the people in general that you know, a government that's less intrusive in your lives, because that's generally what most Republicans think of. They still love government and they care about government. They want that safety that they want, all those things, but they just want the government to spend less is basically it. And they think that that is the best way to bring wealth to more people. That's the best way that people can prosper more. That's the best way to lift more people out of poverty. All that stuff. Like stop giving out handouts because you're not helping them, you're hurting them. That They, they truly believe that. But then the Democrats say, but we can't take away these food stamps from these people because then they'll starve to death. And we can't have that. Like it's there's no winning on either side. But the division, they want this division. And they are stirring it up as much as they possibly can. That is what they do. That's what the politicians do. And I told them, I was like, it's, it's by design, guys. They want that. But what is good? Is, is that division good for America? Is division good for America? I would say from a policy standpoint, it's good for America. From a, the American people being divided standpoint, Absolutely not good for America. But they have gotten you to choose your side. They have gotten you to look at government as an ally with the people. And we're in a bad position right now because the people do think that the government is an ally to their cause. And that was not the intention that the founders of this country wanted. They wanted we the people to be you, me, and everyone in America against the government. That's what they wanted. They set limits on the government. The Constitution was not some social contract that we all sign on to. No, the Constitution is the is I mean, is all the Constitution is is a statement of what the government can do and more importantly what the limits are on that on that entity. And when a politician when the first president of the United States put his hand on that Bible and swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution or whatever the heck they do, like, 
that's that was the oath that that person took, and every person, every politician after that takes the oath to protect and defend the Constitution and preserve it, because that is the that's the only oath that they take. But the poli- the the Constitution specifically is the limits on that government, what the government's allowed to do and what it can't do. You and I, we don't follow the Constitution because we're not in government. So the people, it's a people against the government. It's always been that way. It's supposed to be that way. We are supposed to limit the government. That's why the people supposedly get together and, and, and make the Constitution. Yeah, I know it was actually, you know, set, you know, a, what is it, like 18 guys or something like that that go, or I think it was a few more than that. I think it was two from each of the, maybe 26 people that went up to, Philadelphia and wrote out this constitution and came together and decided that, you know, this is a, it was, some people call it a coup against the Articles of Confederation or whatever. And it wasn't really we the people, it was more like we the states. But when they say we the people, that was the we the people of America putting limits on this government, putting that government into a cage. Now the government has gotten out of that cage and has become all intrusive in our lives over time. Yes, that's true. But their intention was to keep that government in cage, in bondage, in chains, so it cannot overrun the will of the people. The people are supposed to be against the government. But now we look at the government as an ally. That's the problem. That's the problem, and that's why they're able to divide us the way that they do. So limited government was the, was the main intention. So is division okay, though? Is, it, is division okay? For the people to be divided against the government, or the people to be divided and trying to be allies with the government on their own side, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's not good. That's not good for the country. But for the government to be divided, for the Senate to be in Republicans' hands, for that division to cause the Congress, the Senate, and the presidents to be in in different parties' hands, that's excellent. That's excellent for the people because that causes those people to fight and curse each other and try to get this bill passed and try to get this bill passed, but they can't get it passed and all that stuff. The more division that's in Congress in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, the more division, the better in that case. We want divided government at that point. But we don't want the parties to be so powerful that they can get their will through no matter what. Like, for example, 50% of Congress can pass a bill onto the Senate. So say 50% of Congress says, you know what what we're going to do? We're going to make it so that, if, if they're all on board with it, we're going to make it so that Medicare, Medicare for all, we're going to pass a bill Medicare for all. 50% of Congress is okay with that because they're all Democrats and they're, you know most Democrats are good with some sort of Medicare for all package. And then you have the Senate who has a simple majority of 51 votes or 50 votes within the president, the vice president goes to choose. And then they pass it through the Senate, and then it goes to the presidency, and then the president's a Democrat as well. Then it's that easy to get stuff done just by having all the three houses. Now, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth, though, where, and it seems like to me, because take, for example, the Obamacare 
back in 2008 when um, Barack Obama got elected. Then he takes the office in 2009. That year they spent getting Obamacare passed. And there was people that were rallying the streets. There was Tea Party members that got involved in trying to fight against it. But there was no fighting against it. Because the House of Representatives was in Democrat control. The Senate was in Democrat control by one vote. 51%. I think is what it was. Might have been, it might have been more than that. I think it was almost six. Yeah, I think it was 60 people or something. But they ended up getting it passed through with like 51 votes, 51% because of some sort of, um, some sort of rule that they were able to, were able to follow to, to pass something through with 51 votes instead of 60 votes. So they broke their own rules to get that through. And then obviously Barack Obama was the president, so he had Democrat control. And that is so important that we do not. That we have, or that we do have, divided government. It's very important in that way. So division's good when it comes to divided government because they get less done. So that's that's okay. But the people being divided—that is by design. The politicians want it, and that's kind of what I told my friends. And um, I'm not sure if it enlightened them or if they if they thought about it. They might have been drinking too much beer all day. Who knows? Um, but at least it kind of shines a light to people that says, yeah, you know what? That is probably right. That this division is by design. They love it. The, the, the politicians thrive on that stuff. And it's only because we have so much going on in government that's the case. That's it. If the government was so small and so limited that it did hardly anything that affected your life, it wouldn't matter if there was division up there. And we wouldn't be divided on every single thing as Americans out here in the real world. Because the government would do so little, it wouldn't matter. But since the government takes on so much responsibility and so much of the government, or so much, you know, of, we see so much going on in the government on news and media and all this stuff that's, you know, all the stuff in the world that's going on. And the government has its hands in it. And the government determines the actions that are going on with the coronavirus and with this and with that. And there will always be a statement from Congress and the Senate and the president on every little issue. And they're feeling like they control the world and that they can tell you what to do. As long as the government has that much control over our lives, then it does matter to people. So I told my friends also, limited government is the key. Limit the government. And that's my word for you guys today. We need to focus on limiting the government. And then someone tells me, oh, well, there's no such thing as limited government. There's no such thing as limited government. I'm like, well, you could live in a world of utopian bliss and think that somehow we're going to have this anarchist republic that everyone's, you know, that people talk about and dream about. Or we could fight to limit government. Because the government's not going away unless we fight to make it go away. There's, the government's not getting limited unless we fight to get it limited. If we can just pick it apart one piece at a time, starting with this and starting with that and maybe pull out of some wars, then maybe limit the Department of Education and eliminate the Department of Education and then limit, eliminate this, edu- or this, this department and that department and limit this and limit that. Like, that's the only way that we get there. And it has to be people like you and me and other people that are 
libertarian-minded and limited government-minded people that get into political power in order to make that happen. Like, or we could just dream of a libertarian utopia and and argue about how that's going to happen. You know, I don't know. I that anyway. Let me go ahead and wrap up this show. I get I get myself talking about those things way too much. And uh, anyway, I, I appreciate those that join the show and listen on Mondays and Thursdays. Keep on coming back. Uh, if you want to follow me, go on to IamTheEmpire.com. I am the Empire on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Those are the places where you can find this show. If you want to, you can message me through the Facebook uh, Messenger at the I am the Empire uh, Facebook page as well. Uh, five-star ratings and reviews are always helpful, helpful to the show. So if you want to give the show a five-star rating on Apple podcasts, you can do that. Uh, if you have a, a podcatcher that you listen through that does allow to give five-star ratings and reviews, Hey, the more the merrier. So I appreciate you those that do that. All right. Uh, keep on sharing the show with your friends as well. We are moving towards Uh, the election quickly, guys. So I appreciate you. Come on back on Thursday, though, so you can have clear vision for 2020.